we doing folks? It's Matt Whitmore here, one half of Fitter Food, and this is of course Fitter Food Radio. We are episode number 48, and we got a cracker for you. Uh, we being myself and the awesome Keris Marsden. Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I need to think of different ways to just have a slight different take on an intro, because I think by now, we're episode number 48, people know that it's predominantly you and me together most of the time, isn't it? Yeah. So How like, could you do that differently? I don't know, but I almost feel like I'm repeating myself. <laughs> Just <laughs> with a different like, episode number. It's Groundhog Day. But, you know... It is what it is, right? Some people might just tune straight into this one. You never know. But guys, I um, hope you're loving the podcast so far. And of course, as I said, we've got another cracker for you this time round. Keris is just like bursting with enthusiasm. She's been doing tons of reading lately, listening to loads of podcasts, going to lectures, just sucking up even more knowledge in that brain of hers <laughs> as uh, as she's always doing. And she likes to explain it to me, which is nice. You know, we go on walks <laughs> and she tells me about all her new learnings and I might save it. Save it for the podcast. Otherwise, I end up having to stand here and listen to everything all over again. You, which... get, that, you get that face. <laughs> I just stare blankly into the corner of the room. Your eyes go a little bit wide and like your face goes a little bit smaller. <laughs> my, my eyes go like just <laughs> go a bit boss-eyed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, knowledge overload. I'm a boring you. My, my brain can only handle so much. <clears throat> anyway, so why don't we kick off with what you've been reading, what you've been up to, what you want to share with the, the fitter food world. Well, I've been doing some research. Um, this is partly for personal interest and partly for our Fit Food Academy, which is on the 16th of May, where my job is to cover... Um, I'm doing hormones and hormones in relation to fat loss, but the area that I've been exploring is appetite. And uh, it's funny because you just... As soon as I start doing some research, you just go off on a tangent a little bit. Because when I was looking at appetite, I started looking at brain health and all sorts of different areas of the brain and how they drive behaviour. Really interesting. And then I wanted to write a book on the brain after <laughs> after one day of doing Kyrgyz that. Kyrgyz has got, probably got um, book titles covered for about, oh, probably the next the 15 years. It's so fascinating. Though. She wants to write a book on everything. <laughs> it's so We've got everything going on. <laughs> Well, there's definitely, in my next book, there's definitely going to be a chapter on this because watching people on our online plans, it is a big, big barrier for a lot of people that there's like cycles of behaviour that they want to break. And if you understand where they come from and sort of triggers and drivers for those those behaviours, yeah. I think it's a lot easier to stop them. I, I so, say, yeah, so identifying the triggers in the first place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so that can come from um, what I'm looking at is like, Everything from combinations of food, types of food, macronutrient intake, timings of food. There is so much that you can do, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's being able to spot you know where the problem is and and, and what it is that you're doing. So, uh, for example, yesterday I was looking at um, all the different hormones that would tell you that you're full. And then things that you could do which would totally override that. So you wouldn't even know that you were full. And it's so fascinating that they've identified in um, in obese and overweight people, they have much lower levels of these hormones. Yeah. So you know, like, you know, as working as personal trainers, you'd often question, like, compliance and, and with, with your clients. Yeah. You know, well, are you following the plan? And they'd be like, yep, I'm following the plan, but I'm not losing any weight. And you're lying. <laughs> it's not that you want to doubt people, but you, you'd be getting sort of frustrated with the situation as much as they were. What's funny is uh, someone else, uh, another professional that I was speaking to mentioned this, is like you've got these sort of type A, really highly motivated personal trainers trying to empathise with, you know, people at the opposite end of the spectrum who might be overweight, hate yeah. exercise and love food. And, uh, but actually the two people have very different hormonal profiles as well. 
Yeah. So, you know, what you're doing, they actually physically maybe could not implement. Um, and you won't get that because, you know, you're hormonally optimized and, and you, you have maybe that off switch. Having said that, the reason I am interested in all this is because I don't think you do have an off switch. And what, when it comes to food? Yeah, and it's no, only no, because no, you're, you're active and, and love. Hench. Yeah. So it's all right because I'm hench. Yeah, but I don't think you'll get away with it for much longer if you're not careful. You'll be a fat middle-aged man. <laughs> yeah, who <would>? <laughs> <laughs> If we ever come out of this industry, I can just see you sat on a, a, a yacht somewhere with a big fat cigar. And... A yacht? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> How big is this yacht going to be? It would, it would become hugely successful. But anyway. So So what, what, the way it went off on a, on a tangent for me was I was reading about the hormones that tell you that you're full. What's also quite fascinating is guess who's just really, really sort of focusing on the, on this, on these hormones. It's a really wide question. I don't know why I asked that. <laughs> but the pharmaceutical industry right, okay. is literally like trying to identify exactly what stops you eating, you know, which would lower appetite uh, to the point of maybe making you feel quite sick as well if you if you ate any more. Yeah. And the pharmaceutical industry are um, basically focusing in on these hormones and, and trying to look at... Um, they're doing lots of animal studies. It's so sad when you read these. But they inject the hormones into either into like... Well, what's straight into the brain they've tried doing and then into sort of like peripheral, so like mm-hmm. administering it <clears throat> elsewhere and seeing what the effect is. And then they've done it in humans as well, which is fascinating. But again, what frustrates me is it's like a sticking plaster. It's all very well, um, you know, sort of being able to inject a hormone into yourself to make you feel full. Yeah. But if you're still eating ice cream and pizzas, you know, there's something there's there's um, ingredients in these foods which are designed to just completely override satiety signals. So you're not actually helping the situation. You're not, no. you know, you're not getting healthy. You're just literally, it's like di- you know, type two diabetes taking metformin, for example, which yeah. is helps with glucose metabolism when there's loads you could do with lifestyle yeah. and stress and nutrition to stop um you know that that sort of yeah. hormonal dysfunction yeah it was just interesting and, and literally they have got on to every they're, they're trialing almost um i can't remember how many there were i think there were six satiety hormones or, or like factors that are produced in the in the gut mainly right so you totally had enough really fascinating is different macronutrients affect um, the surges of those differently. So even that is 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 pretty, you know, relevant. And and could we start to tell people you need to have these foods in each meal to make sure that you feel full? Yeah. So that was um, just interesting. <laughs> well, no, I'm 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 just busy. I'm in research mode at the moment. Mm. So whenever I will do, I will do. The the big surprise for me was which do you think is the most satiated macronutrient? Most satiated. Yeah. That I would say, whoa, you're full. Carbs and protein. Carbs as well. Yeah. See, it's, it's funny, isn't it? Because to me, I could just eat endless amount of carbohydrates. Well, the, 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 the clause here was fibrous carbohydrates. Carbohydrates, yeah, oh, okay. Not refined. Okay, yeah, okay. So no, was, I hear that. Well, the other thing that I was listening to, I don't know if I've gone, if I've told you this bit, but um, Chris Cresser did a really good review recently of the, the science behind uh, glycemic index, and he was yeah. looking at... I, you saw, know, I saw that newsletter. Yeah. I didn't read it. So he was looking at... <laughs> Always read that newsletter. Because well, I knew you'd read it and then tell me <laughs> so about it. So I don't need to. So he was reviewing the science on glycemic load and glycemic index and saying, like, a lot of it is largely irrelevant because when you combine certain foods, obviously you completely change it. That's what glycemic load came about following glycemic index. Mm. So if you just ate a bowl of white rice, it would have, you know, it's a lot of glucose there. But if you added to that some protein, some vegetables with fibre, some fats... 
has a different effect on your blood sugar levels. So glycemic load was then developed to account for sort of portion sizes, but it still doesn't factor in the fact that we never eat foods really on their own. The other thing it doesn't it doesn't account for is your own glucose tolerance. So yeah. for example, I might have a really good insulin sensitivity and be able to eat quite a lot of, of fruit, whereas you might not. Yeah. So you might spike your blood sugar levels. And when you review the science, it seems that macronutrient diets don't actually they make that much difference. So when they were looking at high-fat high um, diets versus low-carb diets versus, you know, all the different options that you could have, high-protein, yeah. the difference or the success rates were very insignificant. What was hugely um, significant was the source of those macronutrients. I.e., like... Real food or, or were they processed yeah. foods or were they like shakes or, or diet foods and things like that. So he was sort of saying the conclusion for him was that actually if we just source food from nature that's not processed, when you get carbohydrates um, in their natural form, I think he was saying, I think it was something like they can only ever be 25% of glucose. And because the, the, cellular, the cellular structure is completely different to when we make it into a flour, or even if we make it into like a syrup, so you can have like rice syrup, for example, it's totally different. It's a totally different um, uh, chemical structure. Yeah. It has a totally different effect on our blood glucose levels and our, uh, you know, all the hormones like leptin. And so therefore going to disrupt all of the signaling that controls body composition, appetite and satiety. So if you did just come off bread, rice, pasta and that, that sort of stuff, if you wanted to lose weight and went more towards root vegetables, potatoes, you're naturally going to limit your your glucose levels because they won't be broken down in the same way. Yeah. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. I can't remember how we got onto that point when they have gone off on a tangent. No, but that, that, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. I mean, hence the reason why um, if, if someone has gone from a relatively heavily processed diet and maybe alcohol was quite a common occurrence, without counting a single calorie, tracking macros or anything, just the simple transition of removing those foods, people lose so much weight initially because it is... It's 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 hard to it's hard to overeat those kind of foods, isn't it? In comparison to more yeah. calorie dense foods, I'm not saying it's impossible. No, but, no. You know, believe me. But one of the one of the tricks I always say to people is when we're talking about carbohydrates, and they're like, "Oh, I'm really struggling with appetite." Um, so this is one thing that I'm going to cover at the academy is like the different combinations and how you cook the foods. And a little experiment you can do is try binging on boiled new potatoes. I, I'm up for it. <laughs> you won't get very far. I'll blow that out of the water. <laughs> You will not get very far. And it's pure glucose, it's sugar, you know, but you will, it just, in terms of, um, and that's, you know, we've... we've, You can't can't top them with butter. No salt, no vinegar, nothing. Just dry, boiled new potatoes. Maybe with a side of cod, if you want to really, really... Make me hungry, stop it. Go to town. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Anyway, so, yeah, there there is loads that you could do. And it's all about sensitising those hormones... And, and even the structure of your food, that's something that I'm, I'm really starting to, to read upon at the moment. And there's this big, big um, focus on resistant starch at the moment, especially in the paleo community um, and how that feeds gut bacteria. But the thing with resistant starch is it's not absorbed. A food that, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're, you're getting a lot of calories, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but it's so good for the bowel and, and improves things like constipation, feeds good gut bacteria. So for weight loss... Um, is is fantastic and obviously for again for satiety fiber is has been known for years to help yeah. with the sense of fullness so well isn't it when you say because um, sometimes when people do try and take we, we've always said this that people are very misguided when it comes to a paleo approach and they automatically assume it's a high fat high protein low carbohydrate diet yeah and for a lot of people that make that transition falsely of course 
all of a sudden after a few days it's like I haven't been to the toilet for for a few days I feel all blocked up and it's generally down to the the pure lack of fiber in, too much protein in their diet <laughs> yeah definitely there's been a bit of a I don't know if you're seeing this I'm certainly seeing a little bit of backtracking in amongst some of the paleo blogs and podcasts about protein and warning against high protein diets um because although we tend to recommend high protein temporarily for fat loss I've had lots of people on the plans that have been um, saying to me, oh, I always lose weight on high protein. I don't know what happens, why they suddenly find that they have to go around in circles on this sort of issue. But I, I've always encouraged women especially, I'm like, as soon as you can, you get the carbs back in and you increase the carbohydrates and don't stay on high protein long term. Um, because the studies are, you know, there are some studies that are suggesting that actually possibly more plant-based protein well just not high protein generally for, for in terms of longevity it's not yeah. a good idea i was listening to someone yesterday who was just talking about how if you look at the studies of again like the the blue zones their, their diet is very much sort of mixed it's not you know well if you think about it some people are doing like 40 70 percent fat and it's all animal products and like you yeah. said there's just a massive lack of plant-based foods in there and it's almost like it's swung completely the other way and it should be somewhere in the middle one of the great tips I've heard on a podcast, and I know Mark Sisson's always said this, is have a, a big-ass salad every single day. Yeah. Um, and it was nice listening to, um, it was actually, um, um, I always get his name wrong, Abel James. <laughs> I always say Abel Cole. That's the uh, grocery delivery service. <laughs> Abel James. And I think it was a, a, I can't remember, Dr. Joel Furman or something was the guy on there. And he was just saying, like, have a big salad every single day, which is something we've always done. Yeah. Um, our lunch is always a massive raw salad. And that's why we sort of, in our recipe book, put how to pimp a salad because... Can get a bit tedious and boring, can't Absolutely, it? but it doesn't need to be, you know. Oh, no, oh, no. And he was... A big saying, old dollop of mayonnaise, coleslaw. <laughs> Don't eat that. That's like one of your mum's salads. <laughs> Lots of cheese. Yeah, yeah. Sorted. I've seen you do that before. You've made a salad where I can't see the salad for the cheese. Oh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that bad. It is. Hint of cheese. Um, but yeah, so that was... I can't remember. We've gone way off subject again. But yeah, there was... Just people need to remember it's not about chomping on, on chicken all day and, you know, sort of muscle meats yeah. all the time. It's, I think, you know, like it's just like we always say, like have some sort of veg with every single meal. Yeah. Like, you know, even breakfast, you know, like we're, you know, we're, we're more than happy to have, you know, a bit of salad at breakfast time or some leftover vegetables, you know, to or us it's no <laughs> drama. Stick them in your smoothie if you wanted to, stick, you know, That's a good berries, way. spinach, That's, Yeah, whatever. I do that sometimes. I feel like I need an antioxidant hit blend them all up and make a bit of a bit of a smoothie out of them well i always say when i do presentations be more vegetarian than a vegetarian and that's because i was temporarily vegetarian and there's a part of me that is always drawn i don't i think women generally are always drawn towards vegetarianism because i don't i don't even know why but almost every female client i work with says i always feel better just eating a bit more vegetarian and not too much meat and you know i said to mm. you before i think it must be something digestive system or like you know just i don't know what it is and men just seem to do better you know on, with more meat yeah i can't remember where i was going with this I've totally lost my train of thought but we're talking about just just, just be, <laughs> be more vegetarian than a vegetarian vegetable consumption yeah yeah so that was a uh, tip of the day <laughs> eat more veg kids i have to say i'd um occasionally we're at episode 48 that's as far as we've got yeah we recommend eating more vegetables yeah <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> big news this say, just is. Um, occasionally I'll try and do um, well no no I do it quite frequently have vegetarian meals um, I don't have to have vegetarian dinners because it, you've even said this it looks a bit empty when you look at just a plate of vegetables yeah. but I've started having things like um, a baked potato 
with a massive avocado Beautiful. salad um, and, you know, like covering it in, in toasted seeds and things like that. So there is protein there, but it's not meat or fish based or whatever. And you do feel lighter. And I do think I do sleep better. I honestly do, because I think I have more carbohydrates in the evening for a start. Yeah. So it's a nice, nice big um, potato or whatever it might be, like a potato salad or something. It's just mentally you have to get used to not seeing a piece of, of meat or fish on fish, your plate. Yeah. yeah, it's quite strange. <laughs> Interestingly, it's like a, an an that kind of say the word adaptation yeah. phase. And just gradually start reducing the portion of meat, so it's not such a harsh transition. Like, <laughs> you will never do it, I don't know. Well, I've had like the odd. Like, it is you know, meat-free week this week, and you were going to try and do. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's as far as it went. It didn't happen. <laughs> the thought was there. It Actually, like we a should. Good idea. We should talk about you. What you're oh. up to at the moment with your nutrition. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Come on, then. <laughs> <laughs> so Matt's starting his new um, new Candida prof- uh, protocol. Yay. Um, and um, the reason I mention it is I've actually had two or three um, private messages this week about Candida saying that people are trying to um, address some Candida yeast-based um, infections and completely lost <laughs> after looking online at Candida diets and all the conflicting information. Yeah. And I'm, I'm totally with them. I don't, I'm not surprised they're completely lost. And it's something that you have, like, constant battles with, don't you? I know. It's so annoying. Like... <laughs> It's really frustrating because I was, me and Keris went for a new, nice walk this morning and we were kind of like pouring my heart out, all my, all my, frust- all my life's frustrations. Just one of the healthy bread. I was back in London for a few days. I had some, some meetings and obviously every time I go back to London, I, I stay at my mum's and we spend some time together. And we went to our local CAF, as we do. But of course, uh, I just had a coffee. That was it. And my mum had a sausage sandwich which smelled phenomenal. And I thought, God, I could kill a, a bacon, egg and sausage and tomato ketchup sarnie right now. But it's been <laughs> such a while since I've had that. So my mum was like, why don't you have one? I didn't have one. Not because... Because this is, like, the, the thing is I don't have a, a battle with food in that I don't not eat things because I'm like, oh, I'm going to get fat or it's too many calories or whatever. You know, I, I have the odd treat and I'm more than happy to do so. With my kind of, like, candida, candida, whatever you want to bloody call the damn thing, <laughs> um, it's just, it at the moment especially, it seems to be quite aggressive, whatever the hell's going on inside me, <laughs> in that the second I have a treat, like I did last week, I had some ice cream and I had a bit of wine, it was all fun and games until the next day and... I have this rash on my neck that just on the back of my neck, luckily, so I don't just not I can cover it up. And I'm just walking <laughs> around with a big rash on the front of my neck, um, and it just erupts. It just goes absolutely crazy, and it's like a it's like a it's a fungal rash, isn't it? It's yeah. almost like yeah, a, you can tell from looking at it. It's almost like a giant ringworm or something on my neck, you know. Like, and, and I'm just kind of, and I'm probably painting this really horrible <laughs> picture, and it is pretty ghastly. But <laughs> to my, be fair, there's got to be something wrong with you because. You've got everything else in the looks department. It, it would just be like oh. a travesty if you were perfect. Thank you. <laughs> you're, you're kind of biased, yeah. but, you know. I'll accept it. No, it's Thank true. You. You'd, be, yeah. you'd be a bit, you'd be arrogant if you were perfect. <laughs> would I? No, probably not. <laughs> you saying I'm not perfect? No. I should, I should be in your eyes, Keris. Rash, rash and all. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying it brings you back down to the rest of us. <laughs> brings you down a peg. Yeah. No, but what I'm saying is, is that you know, like, remember I said to you this morning, is that. I don't have that battle with food where I don't eat things because I feel that I shouldn't 
in that sense. I I don't need those things from a health perspective. <clears throat> yeah. And but I do like the occasional treat. But it seems lately, you know, this like you know, uh, like the candida or you know whatever kind of taking over. Yeah. so to speak and, and i'm just getting so frustrated with it now that i just thought well i can't keep having treats and then whinging when this rash goes crazy and, and whatnot and i need to do something about it so in comes dr keris who well the first point um, that you just made there is something that everyone needs to repeat to themselves because what you start to do is associate the outcome with the with the action with the income <laughs> <laughs> with the action so a lot of people when they are like setting out whether their journey is for fat loss or to heal skin issues like obviously there's sacrifices there's um changes that you don't want to do that you have to do you feel a bit miserable you feel deprived on some occasions and, and you have to keep revisiting well if i don't do this what is the outcome and it's yeah. that, that symptom that that really does get you down and really makes you feel unwell and um perhaps worries you because you know it's a sign of some underlying issues yeah and you have to keep reminding yourself of that fact and that's everybody and and for you I'd, I'd like to think I don't nag you anymore about it because I know you're, you're old enough to know better. Mm-hmm. I understand with you the frustration has been that, that when we've tried some protocols, they don't really tend to make that much of a difference. And we've, we've tried a lot of protocols. Yeah. So I did a bit more research. Um, the one thing that we're trying this time, we did, we've tried it before, but, but with you as well, I think you get a bit overwhelmed with supplements quite yeah. easy. So I suppose this is a bit of a tip. The first thing that we're doing on your Canada protocol is making sure there's a lot of what we call biofilm disruptors in there so biofilm is basically bacteria in the body like as in sort of pathogenic bacteria and yeast infections they build this little dome over themselves um to protect themselves from your immune system yeah i didn't realize that's what plaque in your teeth is actually there you go wow um that's bacteria building a little protective layer um and so what you can do and and and, um and um, candida and, and fungal infections will do exactly the same in the body so your immune system can't really get rid of them necessarily if they've built this this, this sturdy dome around them so um there's a couple of supplements that you can take um in between meals so that they basically will sort of um feed on this this biofilm so usually taking things like digestive enzymes yeah. <laughs> and that's what you're doing so in between meals you're taking um a supplement called candisolve yeah uh, candisolve uh, yeah. by nutri advanced um, you've also got one called um, Humic Monolaurin, which again is, I'm just listing these in case people want to have a look at them, but it's by Allergy Research. Sounds Scottish. You're taking Lactoferrin um, and Colostrum. And all of these are basically designed to, to not only batter down the biofilm, but boost up your own immune system and, and, yeah. and feed your own immune system with the right sort of... So, and then at meal times, <clears throat> we're doing the sort of um, what would kill off the candida. So we're doing the um, high-dose oregano. Yeah. Uh, I think we've also got <laughs> tannal bite, which has been shown. So tannins, plant tannins are really good um, at sort of combating yeast infections, most gut infections. In fact, um, most of the um, stool tests that are coming back they actually tell you which antimicrobials would be most effective. Yeah. And tannins are really high. So what's quite good to do is drink tea um, in between meals. That'd be really helpful. Yeah, we've been doing that. Um, lots of green tea. And then um, taking the tannal bites. Um, and then a couple of things like uva ursi, which again, these are just herbal remedies which have been shown, and berberine to have like an antifungal effect. The biggest change here is, <laughs> to simplify it, you've got two Tupperwares. <laughs> With an in-between meal 
and a at meal, at meal. And you said how much easier that is, just having the two Tupperwares and they're just on the kitchen side or you, you put them in the car if you're going out and you know to take all of these at a meal time and then the other ones in between meals. Um, the other thing we're doing is things like um, alpha lipoic acid and liposomal vitamin C just to try and clear up any toxins so you don't yeah. feel too dreadful. Um, you did decaf for a little while as well, so you came off the caffeine. I came off the caffeine. I've kind of like gone back to having one caffeinated coffee maybe like every other day. I, had, I must admit I did have one this morning because I was up at 4am to drive from London back up here so I could avoid any form of traffic. So I think I deserve the bloody coffee. <laughs> Damn it. And then I say that diet-wise, there's been so much... Um, most of the candida diets that you'll find online have just been rubbished because they're so restrictive mm. um, and, mm. and <laughs> you can't follow... You can't necessarily, like, sustain them. The lower-sugar ones might encourage um, ketosis, which actually feeds yeast and fungal infections. Yeah. So you don't want to be in ketosis or on a high-fat diet necessarily. And if you deprive body of carbohydrates, then the, the fungal infections might start to sort of... Um, basically go systemic looking for more sugar more, so yeah. spread and you always <clears> noticed if you went low carb it, the rashes just got even worse, got worse and sort of spread around the body so um <clears throat> what i've said to you to do is um basically you're on sort of clean eating um but lower fodmap but i mean even with the low fodmap i mean what was quite good is you you tend to look at the list once and go sort of got it but i'm not gonna not gonna kill myself <laughs> like no, the, the good, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I, you know, I have looked at the the, the, the kind of like the FODMAP. No, no. What I was about to say was, this is a good thing because I give it to some clients, and then I get emails later, stressed out of their minds, going, oh, "I can't find a soup without garlic in it." You know. So actually, I think your approach is good, and maybe it's, it's the nicest it's... thing you've ever said to me. <laughs> no, but you glanced over and you went, "I can eat bananas. I can eat white potatoes. Can't have sweet potatoes." Right. Yep. No onions. No leeks. That's fine. And and, and you cracked on. As I say, the other thing we've got is a prescriptive cyst in your protocol, yeah. which is quite important because it can help um, stop probiotics tend to stop candida and, and yeast adhering to the, the into into your tissues basically. Yeah. Um, so that was the last one I think I've added. In. There's probably a few more that I've forgotten. Yeah, but if well, people... I can't remember. I just, <laughs> so, yeah. I just take them. And for you, I think it works better to say a low fodmap diet. Um, so obviously you're not having any refined sugar, no alcohol. We did ditch caffeine. But to be fair, I mean, you know, there are a few things that I've cut out and a few things that I've reduced my consumption of. Yeah. But, you know, in terms of my nutrition, it's not too different to what I what I normally, normally yeah. eat. But for me, it's just that I've kind of got my head around the fact that, you know, I've kind of reduced coffee now and I feel great doing it. I'm sleeping fantastic. But, you know, I just need to just just not have the treats for a while yeah. which you know what is fine you know what i mean like i'm hardly deprived no, no. but i just think that the frustration of the rash and just the general like well just knowing that i have this kind of like some kind of fungal infection it's just not a particularly nice thought no, no. knowing that there's something like that in my it's, body you wouldn't believe how many people have it though like I, I get i get loads and loads of emails about it and um some people are you know often people when I was training, there's a little bit of getting carried away with the whole candida thing. And yeah. that's the practitioners as well as the, um, you know, as well as most people going, I think I've got the sim, I've got brain fog, I've got this, I've got, I've definitely got candida. But you actually do have, yours is pretty obvious that there well, is fungal infections well, I've there. I've been tested, haven't Yeah, I? and you've had tests on. So it's not a guess. I would say unless you've got sort of, you know, like fungal nail infections or something, go and get the test on first. Go and get a stool test on. Um, or you can also have a test called organic acids, which looks for the, the byproducts of in the urine that would come from having a yeast infection or yeast overgrowth. Yeah. Um, so that you really do know what you're treating. And they'll often suggest 
for that strain of yeast <clears throat> what would be the most effective treatment and for some people it, it will be antibiotics they normally suggest both antibiotics and and sort of um natural um antimicrobials so you have a combination doing the two but then a, a lot of these strains of, of fungus are developing a resistance to a lot of the, the treatments as well so it is it is quite useful to do the test and see you know which one would be most effective as you could just be going around the houses trying yeah. them all out so but also as well, i think it's equally important to stress kind of like uh actually like duration of how long you stick to this kind of thing yeah i think a lot of people kind of go you know try something for a couple of weeks go it's not worked yeah <laughs> you know just gonna sod it you know and then just have a drink or whatever yeah i mean at least you know like when i tried one before you know i, I stuck it out for like nearly 12 weeks yeah with... and i think really like with it when you're really trying to clear a proper infection three months is is probably quite realistic it's a good for, for most people but then in that sense you need to kind of find a way to make it sustainable in in a way you yeah. know it needs to be yes, it definitely. needs to be doable i mean because the one i was following was i probably 0.1 percent of the world's population could have stuck to it i think like it was <laughs> yeah. so so rigid yeah it was so unrealistic yeah. and and it, and it did i've mentioned this before like it did depress me yeah because you know it's like we, we love food look at look how you know look at what we do like our recipe book is dedicated to really tasty nutritious food so when we had to i had to strip that right back and eat the most blandest basic diet and it was repetitive as well it was a lot of the same foods because yeah. i had to eliminate a lot of stuff and annoyingly it didn't even bloody work no. but anyway i tried, I tried. <laughs> but i that's enough about my fungus <laughs> so that was in there because i just had some emails about candida okay. so i would say um ideally go and get a test done if you can't afford a test do something like a low fodmap diet um and try things like some anti-microbials, uh, natural ones, there, with um, some biofilm disruptors. anyone who kind of does a lot with, like, FODMAPs that you'd recommend in terms of, like, website or...? No, do you know what? The, I know, the best thing to do probably is just get the little li- get list. It's like ibs.org.uk. Uh, you can get a list there. Um, but like you did, the best thing to do, because there's a FODMAP tolerance... And all you, all, all the FODMAP, uh, low FODMAP diet is, is generally doing is because there's not the fermentable carbs in there, you'll feel better. There's not the bloating and um, not the sort of like, you know, generally I, I call it like a little bit of a war going on in the gut. That's what it can feel like when there's yeah. bacterial or, or yeast overgrowth. You know, look at the list, but don't don't obsess about it. Yeah. If it's some garlic gets through, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, you know, yeah. Garlic's actually a great antimicrobial, but it's also a FODMAP. So just have a basic idea of what you're doing. Um, and probably the easiest thing to do is, is sort of like the green leafies are fine, um, carrots are fine. I think white potatoes were fine over... Um, yeah, sweet potato. Yeah, and I would have said the way that you're cooking the food, so try not to have um, have it sort of boiled and steamed over mashed and baked, because mm-hmm. mashed and baked is going to make it a bit more sugary. So right. you just might find it, it just affects you a little bit more. And fruit's a funny one, because... Um, there are some fruits that are suggested, like bananas, mm-hmm. to be okay, which is fantastic. Berries, okay. Lemons, limes. Um, but then you want to avoid high fructose yeah. fruits. So that's dates, dried fruits, um, apples, pears, things that most people are eating. But that's the thing, though, isn't it? It's like, to be fair, if you look at the list of like low FODMAPs and it kind of gives you a breakdown, doesn't it, of you know what you should eat, what you should probably limit, yeah. and what you should try your very best to avoid. So, And when you look at it, it's actually... It really isn't that bad. No, you know, there's still so much nice, tasty food that you can eat. Yeah. And, you know, so I looked at it, I was like, this isn't bad at all. So at the moment, I'm, I'm happy. 
Pardon? It's only been a week. Uh, one thing I would say is that some people, generally FODMAP-wise, I think FODMAPs was the first thing that um, uh, I tried for, for IBS. I properly tried. And yeah. it was the first time I got symptom relief, I have to say, for a long time. But you can't sustain very low FODMAP. I did it very... My mum yeah. had to print it out and stick it on a, on a fridge because I was like, I'm not touching a FODMAP ever because I got such amazing results. Like, yeah. I was just like, I'm pain-free then, like, for know, the first that, time. That no, well, it wasn't sustainable necessarily, but, but what helps. was funny is then you do some of the gut stuff in the background. Yeah. So I did some some enzymes. and So you can better tolerate them in the future and Definitely, stuff. definitely. But some I've noticed I will never tolerate. And one that I experimented, experimented with recently was apples. And oh my god! Like I, it took me a while. To, uh, no, it wasn't that. Uh, it, was that. <laughs> it was pure stomachache, which was probably mm. trapped wind, but pure stomachache. Mm. And I can say to you, I don't know what that is. And it, I spent ages, didn't I? Going, what is it? What is it? What have I had? And I thought, is it? Um, you know, I sort of backtracked each day that I had it, and it was apples. So there you go. I'll never really be able to tolerate apples for some reason. But it's funny because I. I've said to you sometimes if I eat an apple on its own, i.e. away from other food, if I just mm. eat an apple, yeah, I often feel um, I feel quite nauseous afterwards, oh, like really? within like minutes of eating it. But if I have an apple, say after, like say I've had some lunch, and I just fancy like an apple afterwards, I'm fine. But if I have one on its own, I feel a bit nauseous. Weird, right? That's weird. It's, it's a shame because. Like as I added them back in, I was really enjoying them. I was getting like really lovely organic local British Cox's apples. They were lovely, but yeah, not not for me. Oh well. Oh well. Can't have it all, love. <laughs> um, so a little bit there on candida. Yeah. Bit on hormones and appetite and fat loss. Yeah. So you're absolutely dying to talk about. <laughs> I'm gonna have to whisper it now. The brain. <laughs> no. Aren't you? Yeah. So, so I mentioned last. Uh, last week we were going to do Alzheimer's and um, I'd been to a conference on it um, I, I went because um, well it, it runs in my family my granddad was recently diagnosed but actually when I was there I just realised as with everything it's so relevant to everybody Yeah. because um, when you look at how quickly it's increasing the, the rates of Alzheimer's are increasing you know that there's something that we're doing yeah. in terms of lifestyle or um, nutrition that's, that's driving it because it's now, I think it's the third, um, it's the third biggest cause of death after heart disease and cancer. Wow! So you pretty much can put it in line with those two diseases in that it's something that whether it runs in your family or not, you need to protect yourself from it. That's what I would mm. say. Um, interestingly, um, he actually started off talking about how Alzheimer's, like what, what's the the process that happens, because that's again what the pharmaceutical industry really focus on. So basically we get these plaques that start to, to grow in the brain and they affect communication signals between neurons, which are like cells in the brain, which would relay messages and um, memories. So once that growth starts to happen, you get like almost like a broken sort of like a broken communication system. So yeah. um, it's known that with Alzheimer's, it tends to be the newest memories that, that disappear first. Hmm. Um, whereas the oldest memories tend to stay with people. So if you ever know anyone that's affected with dementia, is the same. Um, it's a slightly different. But so here's, here's the thing. So can you, like, you know, forgive me if this is a stupid question. What is the like, kind of fundamental difference between dementia and Alzheimer's? So it's more, <laughs> the technical term would be the, the pathophysiology of it. So what they'll test is for the presence of um, amyloid plaques for Alzheimer's. So it's believed to be a different progression of the disease so you've got the plaques forming with alzheimer's and not with dementia 
um, but you've got very similar. Because um, it is essentially the same thing, isn't it? In in that, like it's you know. Yeah, I think like with, memory loss, confusion. Yeah, yeah, basically. But like I said, one has a very different um, physical physical changes occurring right. with Alzheimer's, so right. it's, it's classified as a different disease to dementia. Um, and the the main thing that they look for is um, <laughs> the, the lecturer is American, so I always remember the words in American in an American accent. <laughs> they look at alpha beta. <laughs> alpha beta. Alpha beta is measured for for Alzheimer's. It's quite a cool word. <laughs> alpha beta. Um, so, but this is what was really interesting. The following would all put you at high risk of Alzheimer's: low vitamin D, having a hysterectomy, participating in high impact sports, <gasps> having um, a gene variation called ApoE4. <gasps> so, what they were saying was, <laughs> um, so the pharmaceutical industry are all about. You get these plaques developing in the brain. We need to stop the plaques developing. It's an incurable disease, but we could control it with medication. So that's the way that they've gone. Mm -hmm. I think I spoke before about Patrick Holford, who's on a bit of a mission with Alzheimer's, um, because he's recognised that things like B vitamin deficiencies would contribute because we get elevated homocysteine, which is an inflammatory uh, marker in the body. And then that can contribute towards the progression of Alzheimer's. So he's gone down a different route and he's like, wait a minute, there's some fundamental changes taking place in the body that we could stop or reverse, um, even better reverse, and then stop the progression of Alzheimer's. Right. So he's again looking at it more from a, a functional medicine perspective. But the guy who was lecturing it is a great doctor and he said, so, so why do these four things contribute? Would that not suggest that it's been driven by um, different factors, so different physiological changes in the body? Yeah. Um, Rather than just, oh, you've got a gene, you, it's in your family, you've got um, the genes for Alzheimer's, you get the plaque, end of. Um, so so the reason I'm saying that bit is because anybody really is at risk of Alzheimer's because yeah. you, you could have those four things happen to you, but there was other things as well. There was a big list. But do you not also think as well that obviously as a species we are, even though our quality of living essentially is going down, our life expectancy is obviously it's going up. Yeah. It's increasing. Yeah. So naturally, if you look at statistics, surely it's only natural that our chances of getting such things are increased because we are living longer. So that that, that increases our chances generally, doesn't it? Definitely. And we, we like obviously as you get older the body ages, which is you know is it? it's a <laughs> which is a process of inflammation. It's full of nice <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that? <laughs> as you get older you age. Um, yeah, so uh, I can't remember where I was going with this now. We're talking about life expectancy. Uh, yeah. So as you get older, your body ages. Yeah, my great-grandma, for example, lived, I think she was 92 or 93, and you could chat with her about politics to anything that she'd seen on the news that day. Yeah. She had all the marbles. She travelled around the country seeing all the family and stuff. That's what she did in the last few years. Um Whereas some people, you know, don't even get past 60. Mm -hmm. And what was amazing about the conference was there was lots of case studies. Um, (laughs) And it's funny because you sit there, every single nutritionist goes to these sort of lectures and seminars. And and he was talking about the early signs. And um, he had lots of videos of clients who said, well, the first thing was I couldn't remember four digit numbers. And I just thought, oh, my God, how many times have you forgotten your pin code? That's just scary. And And they said they forgot like locker combinations um they'd be talking to people and they forget their name i was thinking tick (laughs) that's happened to me but um 
the really interesting thing was there was a lot of, there was a couple of um, what, what he calls sort of like high functioning individuals like doctors so very brilliant bright people who they didn't get memory loss initially what they noticed was they just didn't feel themselves like they couldn't 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 like study and research they couldn't retain information so they would have passed an IQ test given to them um, not an IQ test, a memory test, for example, yeah. like an, an Alzheimer's test. They would have flown through it, but there was definitely when they were actually, you know, tested physiologically, there was early onset Alzheimer's there. Wow. So it was just interesting that because you can do um, once you get past, they say past the age of fifty. I think it's um, oh gosh, I should have looked at the, up the website, but Patrick Holford. If you Google Patrick Holford Alzheimer's test, yeah, um, I think it's brain something. Um, website you do the te- you can do the test every year and that's what he recommends doing wow. <laughs> <laughs> i'd probably fail it now to be fair but um what he was saying was the signs uh, as a, for you as an individual may be just that you are forgetting stuff um on a and on a daily basis like not not because every now and again people forget stuff yeah, yeah but what do you think drives that so like what what i know i know what drives my my memory or really kills my memory what, what what aspect of your life do you think really affects your memory? Stress. Yeah, <clears throat> massively. And because stress can create inflammation in the body, mm-hmm. um, it's it's not that it's going to give you Alzheimer's, but it's it's pushing your body along a very similar path yeah. um, towards inflammatory disease full stop um, for that reason. I'm just going to go back. There was something I want to talk about. So the, the really interesting thing was with the pharmaceutical industry, they are saying, you know, Alzheimer's is incurable, but we'll find a cure. And that's what we're going to, they've put loads of money into it, apparently. Right. Um, Ruby Wax mentioned that, didn't she, on yeah. her presentation. So loads of money is going into it to how to reverse that process. Um, but actually, what he was saying is it's more of a dynamic disease in that you could, so he said, imagine the body loves what's called homeostasis. Yeah. So that's the body imbalance. So that's when your body temperature's right, um, hormones are nice and, you know, sort of balanced. Um, everything from pH in the body is at a certain level, and that's what's called homeostasis. Mm-hmm. And when we come out of homeostasis, so it's like a nice little reference range, that's when we are at risk of disease or, you know, going to be in a disease state. And then it always makes me laugh when I say homeostasis because... When I was training, um, I was observing Emma Myhill actually one day um, in a classroom to see a client. And this um, young guy came in and he had no idea about nutrition, like completely oblivious. But when they asked him what his health goal was, um, he said to lose weight and get into homeostasis. <laughs> and the whole class was no like, where, how did you, like, where, where have that? you heard that? Where have you got all of that? <laughs> so it always makes me laugh when I hear that. But what he was saying was the body can be um, certain... Um, Things that we do, so in terms of nutritionally, so um, if, if we get nutri- nutrient deficiencies or if our lifestyles are, you know, we're, we're stressed and we're run down, we can push the body into a state of um, what he called um, antitrophic, which is where we're breaking down new memory cells. Yeah. So we can't form new memories very well. And that, he said it's exactly the same for cancer. So we'll get to a point where cancer cells are, are able to proliferate. So if, the way that he explained it, which is probably easier if I do that, is that you've got these little seesaws and we've got, so for example, with bone health, we've got on the one side of the seesaw is the cells that build bone and, and shuttle nutrients into bone and they're, they're called osteoblasts. Yeah. And then on the other side, you've got cells that, which will break down bone because we need the nutrients maybe, we need the, the vitamins and minerals and they're called osteoclasts. Mm-hmm. And certain things we'll do will push us to one side of the seesaw to break down bone 
and then yeah. certain things will push us to the other side of the seesaw to build up bone. Yeah. So that's certain nutrients that we have or maybe certain exercises that we do. So we can affect that little seesaw. We yeah. can balance it. Well, ideally, you want it to be in equilibrium so that it's, it's optimal. That's homeostasis. Yeah. Same for cancer. We can do things that will promote growth in the body and cancer, well, and cells generally will proliferate, which will cause, uh, eventually lead to cancer. Yeah. Or we can actually support our immune system and our tumour suppressing um, powers in the body. Uh, that's part of our immune system, which will make sure that tumour cell growth doesn't get out of control. Yeah. And it's the same for memory. We can do things that will basically help us build new memory and we'll do things that will help us not build memory or, or maintain memory even. So that's what he was sort of saying, that those factors are pro-Alzheimer's. We you want know what they are? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, go on, what were you going to say? No, 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 no I was just going to say, like, the thing is, is, like, you know, obviously things like Alzheimer's disease generally, you know, it's it's it's, comp- it's very complex. But then when you just look at it from a a simple perspective, such like as such as my approach to most things, yeah. let me just make this as simple as possible, is that, you know, you, you start making your own associations. And I'm not saying that, you know, start freaking out about whether you've got Alzheimer's or not, because let's face it, everyone forgets things from time to time. However, yeah. if you think about it, when you are a bit more forgetful, a little bit more kind of um, confused, maybe, why have I come into this room again? Like, how many times do you do that? Why have I come in here? I come out here for a reason. I can't remember. Yeah. And then you just end up going back to what, you know, the living room thinking... Actually, I actually have no idea why I just went into the kitchen or went <laughs> yeah. into the bedroom. It was to get some, but I forgot it. But what I'm saying is, is normally in moments like that, when it happens quite frequently, it is normally when stress is high, adrenaline's high, maybe caffeine consumption is increased because of that, you yeah. know, or, or when <clears> you're going for a phase of reduced sleep, for example, you know, and I think your body's just going like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. And you're far from homeostasis. No, absolutely. You know what I mean? Um, but you know, like that's you know, I'm not trying to like take away from what you're saying. No, 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 no. But when you look at it from a simple perspective, you you can make the links. And you're yeah. Like, oh yeah, it makes perfect sense. I mean, the big thing is we we spoke about this on the last podcast, but we've got to start resting our brains more as we're all heading this way. Dementia, Alzheimer's, like. <laughs> I, think, I think I need to stimulate mine a bit more. <laughs> my, I've got an un, mine so underactive. It's like no, you're wrong because you are I'm always. I know, but you are oh, always. Thanks. I'm glad you didn't agree there. Thank this, you. This is how you work. You work um, on your fit of food stuff with a property program on in the background with your phone buzzing next to you with um, WhatsApp, instant messaging, all sorts. You do three things most of the time. Like that's how. And and. It's funny because sometimes you'll be exhausted by the end of the day and say, but I've not done much. But because you had like three, three angles of information coming in, like no wonder, you know, like your brain was just flicking between the two. And again, there's some great studies saying that this is why kids are getting so um, attention deficit because it's just the way they learn is so, um, so, well, it's called attention spread disorder because there's too much demanding our attention in one Uh, one time. time. Yeah. Yeah. But let me just go back to the, um, the trophic, so the, the things that promote your ability to, to you know, have memories and, and, and retain memories are called the trophic factors, and then you've got antitrophic. And the trophic ones were optimal D3, so mm-hmm. go and get your vitamin D tested by your doctor or um, online at Birmingham University. Uh, sleep health, wow. as you just mentioned. Um, optimal hormones, so they were saying low levels, especially in men, 
um, strong links with low testosterone and um, and memory issues and Alzheimer's and things like that. Um, same for women. And something called mitochondrial function, which is like the, the energy powerhouse in your cell, which thrives on, it needs things like B vitamins, it needs um, magnesium and zinc. So deficiencies of these nutrients will affect mitochondrial function, which will drive um, any energy, uh, well, it drive energy issues, but it will drive disease as well. Um, and then in terms of things that are going to go the other way and, and tip the seesaw towards, you know, sort of memory issues was inflammation, which we talk about a lot. Yeah. Nutrition, obviously. So lack of massive lack of nutrients, stress and then reduced mitochondrial function, which can all be changed by nutrition and lifestyle. And what was amazing was um, on the case studies, they had a, a young woman, well, not a young woman, so she was in a... Um, probably in, I think she was in her mid mid 50s very um intelligent woman had a very she worked for the American government full-on job and just noticed she couldn't do a job anymore yeah so it involved basically uh, number collation and, and like presenting reports and she noticed that she she just basically couldn't do it anymore yeah. very upset but her mom died of Alzheimer's so she when she saw when she felt the symptoms set in she recognized them straight away and got so upset she actually on the video said I was going to kill myself when she went to him, that he runs a big Alzheimer's centre in America where they're you know, sort of exploring all of this, including some new drug treatments which help more with the... I think they're sort of dealing more with the inflammation and the genetic changes that take place. Yeah. Um, he said there are... If you think of it as Alzheimer's as having 36 holes in your roof... In, in the ceiling of your house, in the roof of your house, sorry. Um, and basically what the drugs are doing is sort of plugging one hole, but there's another 34, 35 holes that have yeah. to be plugged that might be right, right. inflammation or yeah. vitamin D deficiency or zinc deficiency, whatever. So he gets people on a very sort of serious supplement regime and, and nutrition-wise, big thing was balancing blood sugar levels. Yeah. That was first, that was key. And she, and she um, basically within weeks felt different, within months was back at her job, absolutely wow. storming it, and didn't take her supplements for a week um, the symptoms were straight back within seven days no way. and even he said i was so surprised that well, how much she, of that do you think was psychological though do you think potentially uh, potentially well there was two cases of these who said that so um maybe yeah maybe i don't know i think um traveling is such a big stress on the body that, yeah, that is, she'd have been it? run down and not sleeping and immune system would be compromised so yeah. you know it wouldn't have been an ideal so it could potentially be more than one factor i'm going to quickly because i know we're, we're sort of running out of time but i am going to quickly go through um what was great was he i wrote these down hang on a second so you can go and get blood tests done you might have to go and get them done privately um, so with a nutritional therapist, if you wanted to, um, some you'll be able to get at your GP. And these tests would look at um, basically the risk factors for, for Alzheimer's, but just for any inflammatory disease as well. But, but do you not think it's important, though, to kind of stress that, and we actually, I'm going to be talking about this, aren't I, at the Academy about testing. Yeah. In that, you know, don't just, I mean, you, we come across testing junkies who will literally mm-hmm. test for absolutely everything because they're, they're craving that peace of mind of, you know, whether they've got a gene that makes them more prone to X, Y, and Z or whatever it may be, if they've got, like, you know, more, like, inflammation markers than other people, blah, blah, blah. And it's, you know, don't just go off the back of this and think, oh, it would be quite no- nice to know that I'm not prone to Alzheimer's for a bit of peace of mind. You know, like, and equally, if it does come back that you're not prone to it, then that's not then a ticket to go, oh, great, I can just ignore all that advice that Kerry said because that risk yeah, factor. Yeah. Am I making sense? No, you are. But the one thing I'd say is what, what I'm about to list is like health markers for, for general health, I would yeah, say. Okay, yeah. And if you're someone, here would be my critique of you, is that... <coughs> <Excuse me. laughs> 
and my mum probably and probably your mum is that you are often like I'm, I'm pretty fine I'm all right I can go to the gym I can train I can work really hard but I can see signs in you well for example your immune system's compromised because that's how you've got a candida infection so I can see signs that you're not as well as you should be um, so and I also know like the level of stress that you're under so I know that that's not healthy and that's not helping things yeah. and I I think that sometimes going to get like a general health profile and seeing that some of your markers aren't as where they should be for someone of your age yeah. might get you actually taking some action on oh, things no, no. like stress and sleep oh, no, no, not no, not course. like supplements or anything. 100% I I've agree. got you supplemented up I'm, to the hill though <laughs> because I'm very visual in that sense yeah. if I can see something yeah, I'm like yeah, yeah. boom I'm going to do something about it what I'm saying is is that from my perspective I would only be testing these things because I definitely know something's up yeah there's things my body's telling me something's yeah, yeah, up yeah. something's not right whereas you know like you said just a lot of people do overthink it and go through the list and they're like oh brain fog oh yeah that's me yeah. oh yeah i forgot my pin last week <gasps> oh jesus you know yeah, like yeah, you know yeah. and then you can get a little bit you can overthink it yeah no, you, no, no, it shouldn't no, be ignored no definitely you're but right. then you don't want to go to the polar opposite and yeah. then obsess over testing and no no you know no completely i mean these were like some general health tests that i think um these would be great to do for for anybody over the age of of well anyone of any age to be honest but over the age of 50 i think these tests become essential once or twice a year mm-hmm. um, and, and like i said your gp will do most of them for um so everyone go and get a pen because <laughs> mm-hmm. you're gonna have to write this down because it's good to get if you parents and grandparents having these tests as well yes because you'll catch things that, that that can you know you could stop prevent reverse now but basically a gp will test fasted glucose which yeah. is really useful you can test that at home yeah we always say get that below five if you can mm-hmm. um, but here's a really interesting point that was made is uh, I, I, I learned this ages ago and uh, i completely forgot to mention it on a podcast but you should also get uh, fasted insulin tested yeah um the reason being there was a doctor who was a case study at this conference and he had a terrible diet which for a doctor i suppose it's not that unusual but um <laughs> he was on the ice cream and pizzas like most night he had a lot of clients very exhausted come home and, and wanted you know yeah. like something um his fasted glucose was uh around five so quite healthy but his fasted insulin was horrific wow. um, because what his body was doing was pumping out insulin trying to hoover up all the pizza and ice cream um, yeah so he had good insulin management at that point but he was pretty much pre-diabetic um and he was able to see that there and then and go oh, okay then so i can't have my glass of wine and pizza and ice yeah. cream every night but you want your fasted insulin to be below four so just write that down um and then uh, hba1c is a measure of carbohydrate metabolism over the last three months i have seen this critiqued but doctors do seem to run it quite readily um and that one should be below 5.6 homocysteine which is an inflammatory marker um i'd get this done definitely once or twice a year over the age of uh, 50 should be less than six um hscrp which is again a marker of inflammation should be below 0.5 Vitamin D between um, 50 and 100. Um, if you've got autoimmunity running in the family, so cancer, or not, not can- well, cancer is, is also an inflammatory disease, but any autoimmune conditions like MS, lupus, those sorts of things, they often say you have it higher, so up towards 100. Um, I think just between, I don't know, it goes back and forth, but I'd say between 60 and 100 is, is where you want vitamin D. Um, try and get calcium scans of your arteries so look if, if calcium is being laid down in the arteries your uh, thyroid stimulating hormone tsh should be no higher than two your free t4 uh, uh, testosterone needs to be within a healthy range for a man 
like well into the healthy range if possible. <laughs> B12 should be between 500 and 1,000, which is actually probably way higher than, than the, I think I think it's capped at 900 something yeah. on a GP results uh, test. Um, when you do get your test results from a GP, if you're hovering towards the lower end of healthy, that's the lower end of the population average. Um, so it's worth looking up, you know, sort of <clears throat> what would be optimal for your age say, group. Averages are quite... You know, like you it's know, massive, it, yeah. The age yeah, range is massive. Yeah, but, well, that, and that's what I'm saying. It's not. It's not really the number you want to be comparing to, no, is it? You know, no. when people talk about averages, I know that you know if you look at the average body composition of the UK, you know, and someone turns around, oh, yeah, your body comp's average. It's like, well, that's no good thing. No, no, definitely. And I always say that to to clients. It's not that you want to be off the scale at the higher end, um, but definitely not towards the lower end. Um, and last couple of tips was to promote autophagy, which is. Um, <laughs> Basically, think of it just like a clear out of, of your cells. Yeah. And um, so your immune system does a bit of a spring clean. Have a 12-hour fast overnight and try and have a, a three-hour gap between your last meal and bed. Bedtime, which, again, yeah. we, often, we often recommend that to most people. Um, and then the rest was just the general stuff we would recommend. Daily exercise, yeah. mind, mind, um, mindfulness, obviously, but also uh, doing memory exercises like Sudoku and board yeah. games and things like that. I love Sudoku. Last thing I've got to mention, I know we've got to wrap up. Uh, you can also go to uh, 23andMe. There are quite a lot of gene variations which will put you at higher risk. Um, and the big one is APOE4. Mm-hmm. So um, APOE is, is a... We all have that. We have the gene, but you can have APOE2, 3 or 4. Yeah. Most people are 3. 3 is the most popular one. If you have APOE4, you're at higher risk of most inflammatory diseases. But I think it was... I'm sure he said 90% chance of de- developing Alzheimer's, which is wow. really scary. Basically, um, there's a bit of discussion over, you know, what would that do to you psychologically to know that you were APOE4. Mm. But I'm still on the side of like, I think I'd, I think I'd rather know if I, I'm not. We've already been tested. But, uh, you know, if, if I was you, <laughs> you listener, I'd want to know because I think it would just give you that added drive and incentive to, you know, to when you are feeling a bit like, oh, sorry, I'm just going to. Yeah, but then doesn't it work both ways in that if, say, you got tested and you haven't, and you might just be like, ah, oh, cool. Yeah, maybe. Don't need to worry. Maybe. Don't need to make as much effort. Do you know what I mean? You're like, there's room to just say, <laughs> live, live life like you are APOE4. <laughs> Don't even get it tested. It's much cheaper. <laughs> there is that side of it, but some people no, need... No, I get it. I some get people it. do need that, it's, that it's extra... It's each to their own, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, you wouldn't. We, we live like we're APOE4 anyway. We're, we lead yeah. anti-inflammatory lifestyles, but... Because um, it makes us feel awful. Yeah, but some people out there are, are not, and, and perhaps also want to know why they suffer from other inflammatory conditions and that could be anything from depression to um you know sort of skin conditions all sorts they might want to yeah. know why me when i'm when I, when they are quite good at a lot yeah. of stuff and it could be that genetically they're so much more predisposed to it and it can be a bit of a relief and sometimes in that sense. you know looking back to what you were like young when you were younger because obviously how i am now for example is, is i'm almost i'm almost it's quite ironic that i'm I'm the healthiest now that I ever have been in terms of the food I eat, my training, my kind of like outlook on life generally, you know, and obviously I'm with a girl in my dreams. (laughs) (laughs) Nice one, Matt. Um, But, you know, in effect, but I'm also probably now paying the price all the bad decisions yeah. I used to make, <laughs> i.e. Yeah. excessive alcohol, junk food, fizzy drinks, you know, whatever it may be. Um, I remember Phil Lerny saying that at a seminar of his when he said, I pretty much have to stick to a high-fat diet because I've just hammered my <laughs> pancreas for the yeah. first, like, <laughs> 20, 30 years of my life just with a rubbish diet. So, yeah, you can, I, like, you can make changes, but 
yeah, I think a lot of your gut issues now are probably related to, oh, to 100% suboptimal nutrition in earlier years. For sure. Yeah. Keris, that was awesome, of course, but I it was a race it is, through. It is time to say goodbye. Okay. But guys, uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Lots of information for you to absorb there, but by all means, get in touch with any questions, uh, info at Fit Food. Um, if there's anything you'd like to, to kind of get a little bit more info on or maybe some uh, reference guides to, to finding that information elsewhere as well. Um, but guys, quick announcement before we say ta is we've got our next Fit Food Academy date coming up, haven't we? Yeah. Um, it's on May the 16th, which is a Saturday, and it's Leamington, which is in the Midlands, uh, in kind of j- just a little bit below Stratford-upon-Avon, where we're currently residing. Yeah, and the lovely reason- venue, isn't it? Oh, it's a beautiful venue. Yep. Um, the reason we chose the Midlands, because we had a lot of demand, because last time the one was in London, and lots of people from north of the country were a bit like, what about us? So we kind of came into the middle. So hopefully we're kind of like a middle ground for people to come up, down, sideways, <laughs> whatever it may be. And we've got a, a dinner at Paleo afterwards in Leamington. Yeah, so it's all round going to be a pretty awesome day. So it's a day of learning with Keris, myself. We've got the amazing Emma Myhill on board again. Um, so Keris is going to be talking about hormones. Yep, so I'm hormones, doing hormones. hormones for fat loss, but also appetite. And um, I'm also covering supplements. So supplements, essential supplements, the ones that you really want to get into yeah, your really daily routine ones. and then ones that are nice to have. Um, Emma's of course going to be talking about the gut digestive health you know that's her thing she's an expert when it comes to that she's an expert in many things but that's her favourite subject I'm talking a lot more I'm talking about testing yep. aren't I DNA uh, testing. D- different types of testing as well as of course I'm going to put my stamp on the training side of things training for body composition performance etc and we've also got the awesome Paul Watson on board who we've had on the podcast as you probably may know if you've been listening a few episodes ago he's a mind mindfulness expert yeah you know, uh, which i don't know if that job title even exists but he's not a life coach which is pretty cool um, <laughs> you're not a fan of life coaches <laughs> um you know he, he's just Thank all about God. <laughs> <laughs> it came out wrong <laughs> um, it didn't come out right um you know he's more about you know just being mindful being in the moment and appreciating what you got and he's got some really kind of cool tools and strategies to kind of to, to go about that a bit more and he has worked with our uh, our clients on our online plans and they absolutely adore him because he's, he's, he's just approach is just amazing and when you meet him you'll know exactly what we're talking about it's also uh, hugely relevant so all all the research I'm doing so yeah. far on hormones can exactly. be affected by how you think. So exactly. hugely so, relevant. It's going to be an awesome day. Uh, we, we've got lunch on the day, you know, obviously fit a food styly, uh, which is included. And then afterwards, it's optional if you wish to come and join us for a dinner in the a local paleo restaurant, which is appropriately called paleo um and we've arranged a pretty cheeky set menu for you guys um and you know there's enough room for everyone who attends the seminar to come to the restaurant we've pretty much booked out the entire restaurant and it would just essentially be networking chatting sharing good food with like-minded people and just having a laugh and we might get a little bit drunk who knows yeah uh, <laughs> uh, but guys yeah check that out on the on our website go to the events page and um they're going pretty quickly at this at this point so getting quick and it'd be awesome to see you on the day we'll see you in over in episode 49 i guess absolutely nice one guys have a good one bye bye